What up? We are back again today in the studio, and it is time to get the ball rolling. All right, and we are back again today in the studio. I hope that you guys uh, liked a little bit uh, of that new intro. Uh, we'll do a poll on our uh, social media pages to see uh, what you guys liked. If if it uh, if it was good, if it was bad, if we need tweaking, learning some new things uh, with uh, how to mix and, and and master the audio, how to you know make things and uh, sound a little bit more professional. So. Overall, I'm just extremely excited for, for what we're going to be learning here at Get the Ball Rolling going forward. We have so many cool things this next year. Like, continue to follow us. Like, we've got some good things going. Excited to bring it to you. But right now, we're going to be wrapping up uh, the kind of the bull season. How we uh, how we did it will be a little bit later on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the coaching carousel. A lot of people are starting to to react to to, to Matt Rule's uh, hire in uh, the National Football League. A lot of people are kind of giving him some guff and, and stuff like that. Why where he could have where he could have landed and, and what other college coaches could they have taken uh, those kinds of things. But uh, excited, excited to talk about that. And also on this show today, we'll be uh, talking about the coaching carousel. This is going to be mainly focused on that and maybe some, some 2020 stuff if we have time at, towards the end of the show. But you know, we're really focusing uh, this one on really how these coaching hires have panned out from last year's coaching hire. I mean, we know we went through the, the carousel. We know that we went through all of that, and and it was kind of crazy. It was fun. Uh, new hires. It always is in college football because there's so many hirings. There's so many firings. There's so many no-name teams. Uh, not teams. Um, people that come in and make, it, make an impact immediately. And uh, we're going to kind of go through those candidates now. I didn't have Matt Rule as my head coach of the year candidate. Uh, I had some other guys that we're going to talk about uh, going forward that that uh, that we'll talk about mainly that I felt like could have also got that candidate or could have been the head coach of the year candidate as well. So a lot of fun stuff. But right now, um, as of you know, last time I was uh, checking things, talking to people, uh, Brady Hoke is going to be the new head coach at San Diego State. Now, this comes as a shock to basically everyone uh, just because – San Diego State had, a, number one, an amazing season. Uh, number two, Rocky Long has been there nine years in this stint uh, before it, uh, he coached at New Mexico, which is also in the Mountain West, if you follow that. And uh, you know what? He's had a long, uh, luxurious, if you want to put it, <laughs> that into terms, um, coaching uh you know, time, you know, 26 years, that's, that's a lot of time to be coaching at a head coaching position. So from what I understand, he's stepping down due to his age, you know, going to enjoy retirement, go hit the golf courses. You know how retirement is. Anyway, uh, doing, doing what he likes. I don't know if he likes golf, but that's just what I imagine retirement as. Uh, but he's going to be stepping down. Brady Hoke going to be coming in. So kind of a kind of an interesting story. Uh, we didn't prepare anything for this podcast, but uh, we'll make sure to allow you guys to uh, hear our, well, hear my opinion on that that in the future uh we're gonna break down him uh, into individual uh, places where he's coached uh what has happened uh what did not happen or lack of happening right if you want to go to michigan and uh it's gonna be fun so i'm excited so 
And the first uh, question that I was asked and the first question we're going to be going through on this wonderful coaching carousel is first year coaches, right? Now, this is their first time at the university. They might have came from somewhere else in the example of like Mac Brown, right? Coming out of retirement to go coach North Carolina, uh, even though he had been there before. Uh, who was the one? Who were our surprises and who were the disappointments? Now, I feel like uh, we got to kind of take this. Uh, if I talk about uh, a team in in the lower, you know, in, in the group of five, uh, the lower conferences, you got to kind of understand that different expectations reside in different programs. Uh, Jim Harbaugh right now at the University of Michigan, he basically the expectation there is that he gets a national championship. They brought him in alumni quarterback, you know, the golden boy, Michigan alumni to come in to get a national championship for for the Wolverines. So his expectation and him in Michigan and, and Ryan Day at Ohio State and, and uh, you know, Nick Saban at Alabama, their expectations and stuff are going to be insurmountably different than someone if we're talking about Central Michigan, which we will, uh, Jim McClain. Really, that's what it's going to boil down to is in individuals and uh, their circumstances and really what they ended up, what ended up happening throughout the year. So to start off, uh, our number one coach, I feel like was, was the best surprise and Truly my favorite first-year coach this year was uh, Co Coach Scott Satterfield. Uh, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, I've talked about Louisville a lot, and mainly because uh, – I don't. I don't know why, but I, I've been. I've been. You know, drawn. And it's kind of like a magnet to Coach Scott Satterfield. I love what he did at Appalachian State. I love everything that he built there. I love that. Uh, you know, this year with Elijah, Elijah Drinkwitz, that they were able to do and replicate everything that happened. Uh, from the years before, uh, I'm reading a lot of books, and, and in in my business classes, we know that you know the good CEOs when they step down from the company to show how really good their greatness is is if the company maintains itself uh, right throughout that transition area. Yeah, you know, if you want to call it that, there's like this this little area that. that you know, someone can really take advantage of because they had an amazing, you know, head coach or CEO above them. And but what happens? What is in in that transition piece? Can they keep it going? But part of it is one how to, how you found it. Can it continue uh, to be ran as efficiently or as effectively at what as what it was before? So you look at. Uh, We'll take, you know, Coach Scott Souderfield with Appalachian State. He stepped aside, and they still got back to 12 wins. That That's incredible. Congratulations to them and uh, everything that they achieved there. Uh, they're kind of like a revolving door right now. Uh, I Well, sorry, they got actually to 13 wins because of the bowl game. But they're kind of a revolving door right now. But really, it's just because they have the system, they have the culture of excellence. So they're they're continuing to do these things. Uh, so that was number one. I think he did a tremendous job, not only setting up for success this year for, for Elijah, but also for Coach Drinkwitz, but also uh, improving Louisville, going from a 2-10 and 10 program, which, you know, years before they had Lamar Jackson and, and his tremendous play, and this kind of fell off the radar. Nobody talked about him last year. Uh, I believe that they became a little bit more relevant this year if we could get back to to them you know uh taking on clemson to see you know the battle for that and and, and be, you know beating florida state and those kinds of things we need to see that we need to see more competitiveness in the acc and i think it's going to start with him uh number two jim mcclain out of uh, central michigan took a team a one and eleven team to eight and six which one and eleven uh is 
pretty much bottom of the barrel. You could say that's a bad football team. That was not a good football team. And, you know, obviously personnel changes and you have the transfer portal and, and a thousand different things. But he went from a bad uh, situation after being let go at Florida uh, to come in to – you know, Central Michigan completely change everything, take control of the Mac. Obviously, he didn't win it, uh, but really just take over and do it and do a tremendous job. Very, very excited to see uh, what they're going to be doing in the future. Uh, I do like this Central Michigan team. Once one, I kind of keyed into to him and uh, everything that he was able to do this year. I, I really feel like this team is going to be going up uh, for many years to come, and we're, we're going to see him. We're really going to see the fruits. If he doesn't get you know picked up by another uh, program, we're definitely going to be seeing the fruits of his labors you know, uh, from years to come for Central Michigan, and then also uh, where he'll be going in the future. And then number three, I got to give a shout-out to Ryan Day. I was very critical of this hire uh, at the first of the summer. I didn't like it. Uh, mainly, again, I always say this, my dad is a huge Michigan fan, so uh, I have to take myself out of it. I'm, I mean, I like Michigan. I'm not as big a fan as what he is, so I got to kind of take my personal opinion out of it, right, for being told, you know, Michigan's number one. We only like Michigan. We only share for Michigan in the house, but to, to analyze Ohio State and what it is, and again, Urban Meyer was a tremendous coach. He stepped aside. We can see that he really is, you know, that top leader, uh, that program builder that he is. He stepped aside. And look, you know, Ryan Day didn't skip a beat. Now, uh, that's a first-year type thing. Now, after four or five years, well, even three years, once your kids are into the system, then you're going to be like, okay, well, you know, they're going to continue to be good, or maybe he's starting to slack off we might be seeing him being let go. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that going forward with a couple of the other coaches. Uh, but those are the ones that surprised me. My disappointments, Tom Arth out of Akron, didn't get a win uh, this year. Really kind of a, an ugly, you know, season. And I understand you're going to have those seasons. Uh, everybody does. And that's just the, the, the fact of the matter. UCF did. Uh, they had a really, really bad season, right? And look at what they were able to do just a few years after that. They were able to completely turn things around. Uh, and I think that just shows that, you know, you, you once when you hit rock bottom, you know the value of of what it is to, to be able to go up. And if you look, even if from, from one and 11, uh, you know, I'm talking about, you know, Jim McClain and stuff like that. You can either take a more, another example, uh, Western Michigan in 2013 went one and 11 in 2016 went 13 and one under PJ Fleck. So you can go from the bottom, you know, the song started from the bottom. Now we're here. That really is what's going to happen. Disappointed that they weren't able to get to see, uh, uh, a win out of this season. They they fought hard. Was able to watch a couple games uh, when they were like Wednesday and Thursday night in 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 the fall. And uh, hopefully we see the Zips going forward, building upon this and getting back to a bowl game. Uh, number two, Dana Holgerson. I would have put him number one had you know Tom Arth not not, uh, but he lost every single game. So you know Dana Holgerson. I think. I, I, I'm a West Virginia fan, so I thought it was time for a change. I thought, you know, nine and four wasn't good enough. Uh, they want to push the, the the envelope. They want to be like Oklahoma. And so they, they went with Neil Brown, right? And uh, I just feel like uh, 
Dana Holgerson went to Houston. There were so many expectations, and then they said they were going to tank. And uh, despite what Philadelphia has done in the NBA, I don't think starting off by losing and building a culture of losing is what is correct. I like what, you know, the Miami Dolphin model where they really just didn't have the talent. Uh, I know some of you guys are going to push back because they're able to beat the Patriots and stuff. But the first of the year, they, you know, they're getting to know their personnel. And I just think that they, they, they didn't have the talent and, but they have a plan in place and they fought hard. Yeah, there were day, there were games that got blown out, but there were a lot of games that they were in it, or they won the game too. The Dolphins could have tanked and went, you know, 0 for 16. I don't think that's really, I I honestly don't think it's really uh, possible to do that in the NFL. I know it has been done, but you know, you really they could have tanked the season, but they fought hard and they were able to beat the Patriots. You know. Power to them. Continue to fight. Continue to build. I don't like that building a culture of losing. I don't think that's the right thing to do. So I didn't like that hire. Uh, you got to sell me on it. You know, this next year with Dana and the next, you know, the year after that, uh, uh, Derek King coming back uh, for another, you know, year. I believe it's his senior year. Uh, so he's, they got to prove it next year. And if it doesn't work, honestly, it looks like a really bad hire. Uh, I don't like, I didn't like it. Uh, I felt like, you know, you don't have to take the job that comes right along. Now, if that's you, that's you. Congratulations. But I'm very critical of this and I will maintain this opinion throughout the summer and into this next year until they can continue to prove me, you know, they win 11 games. Tyler was wrong there, but don't build a culture of losing. And number three, being Jeff Collins coming from Temple, uh, stepping in at Georgia Tech, was a little disappointed uh, because, you know, he went 2-10. and 10. I thought he was going to get a little bit better. Uh, obviously a tough place to come in after uh, Paul Johnson and and everything that the Jackets, you know, were. And you got to change personnel and coaching and everything. I wish they would have been a little bit better just because the ACC is is – so uh, bad. I thought that they could have got a few more wins. So there's that. A couple of other big shout outs. Uh, Will Healy for Charlotte, obviously got to give him a shout out. Mac Brown did a great job at uh, North Carolina. Didn't win as many games as I thought he was going to do, but, you know, very impressive. Hugh Freeze out of Liberty. Um, let me make sure I get it. Oh, and Chris Kleiman out of uh, Kansas State. Big time. Uh under the radar hires, we'll see what they're going to build uh, into next year and overall, you know, uh, the fill of things. So congratulations. Uh, another one was whose time is beginning to run out? You know, these are people that are uh, year three and four coaches, right? We're moving on kind of this this next section. Whose time is beginning to, to tick? And I got three names, well, four names. I got Will Muschamp, Jeremy Pruitt, Kevin Sumlin, and Chip Kelly. Now, I didn't Power 5 conferences because Power 5 conferences are a little less unforgiving than uh, the group – or, yeah, the Power 5 – than the group of five conferences. You know, you can go 0-12 at Akron and continue to keep your job, but there's, there's uh, you know, teams in the Power 5 where you go – you get nine wins and you can be fired. Number one, Will Meschamp hasn't done a ton uh, at South Carolina. I think he's a great guy. No offense to him, but I think this next year he's got to prove himself. Uh, he's got to take down. I mean, he, he beat Georgia, right? He beat him this year. Congratulations. But you need to be able to beat Georgia and Florida. You need to win more than four games, and by year four, you should have your personnel. Jeremy Pruitt. Now, a lot of people may think, well, you know, he was able to get to a full game. He was able to win it. I honestly don't think the SEC is is the best conference out there right now. Uh, I know that I want to get some pushback on that. I, th I personally think the Big tw the the Big Ten is the hardest conference in football, then followed by the SEC. Uh, 
And I, there's a lot of reasons. We'll we'll dive into that in a little bit later uh, on another podcast. But I felt like you know in the SEC you should be able to win more than four games, especially considering you know you you usually play two pretty easy uh, games to tar- start off the season. So kind of disappointed there. We'll see what he's able to build, and then uh, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, Will Muschamp and then Jeremy Pruitt losing to Georgia State. It's not a good look. Uh, Tennessee's not back by any means uh, like it was with uh, Fulmer before. So I need to see it this next year. If he gets to eight wins, maybe that's just what Tennessee is comfortable with, just getting to eight wins every single year. Kevin Sumlin, uh, you know, he left. Uh, they only called him like seven and five, eight and five, Kevin, right? That's what he, he is, but he hasn't even been able to get over that at the University of Arizona. This is kind of his year. If he doesn't, uh, honestly, I would step back and say, you know what? I'll go to a coordinator, uh, not have a lot of pressure on me, hopefully build up my my reputation, uh, build up my street cred, if you want to say that. But right now, it's not working at the University of Arizona. They got to figure out something. And Chip Kelly uh, brought in with such high expectations and then two years. I mean, he, he played well this year. There, were, there was a stretch there where he played really well, but then, you know, crash and burn right that was my, my uh crashing and burning sound so uh anyway and then uh finally before we we go to break we have one more question so those were our four of you know whose time is beginning to run out those are the four uh for a lot of reasons that we've went over you know uh you gotta win this next year you're, you're on year three you're on year four of your contract you've gotta win those are your kids and if you don't be, I would not be surprised if these guys aren't moving out. They might give, you know, Pruitt one more year. Uh, I could see him giving someone one more year. But in my opinion, if I'm sitting there as an athletic director, I'm saying, no, this is not acceptable at these universities to have the records that they did. Uh, obviously, South Carolina, uh, UCLA, and Arizona, they need to get to bowl games. And Tennessee needs to be elevated as well. Uh, and then what was the, the, the next one was proving ground uh, for, for the – for what coaches next year. And I've got three names and I think these are big names. And, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap this up uh, and we'll continue this into it just because of the break that we have, but proving ground for Scott Frost in Nebraska. I think that uh, as a Nebraska fan, you're starting to lose a little bit of hope. Uh, I thought for sure he, you know, I was very, very critical of their ranking, but I thought for sure they would have got to a bowl game. They didn't. That's embarrassing. You can't do that. Uh, You can't, continue to sell me that you're that the, it's this amazing uh coach and you're their guy you're their savior everyone picking some people even picking them to win the big 10 this year uh i mean and the records before him weren't super promising six and seven nine and four four and eight but mike riley figured it out a way uh you can't have uh losses to colorado yet to be colorado scott frost has uh losses to indiana and purdue which were ugly losses for him uh and you got to be able to beat the big teams you got to beat in Ohio State, you got to beat Wisconsin or Iowa. And first and foremost, you need to beat Minnesota. Now, Minnesota had a, a tremendous year. And I think that's what people honestly thought that was going to be Nebraska. Ugly season. I've been very critical of Scott Frost. If he doesn't deliver this year or if he only gets back to six and six, sorry, cut your ties. I don't care if he's alumni. I don't care if what he did at UCF. He hasn't done it here. Get him out. Uh, number two, Tom Herman. Now, I really like Tom Herman. I think he is a culture builder. I think he deserves all the credit in the world for making Texas 
putting him from where Charlie Strong had him. Now, I don't know. I think he was a, an average to good coach. I don't know if we can go good to great. And next year is his good to great jump. If he can get back to, you know, 11 wins next year, I'll shut up. I'll eat, I'll eat my words. I'm sorry, Tom, that I ever questioned you. I know there were a lot of injuries this year, but next year you're not going to have that that uh, excuse. I mean, there might be injuries, but you still got to make it work. You did beat my my Utes. Uh, congratulations in a bowl game, but you need to, to prove to me a little bit more, make me a little bit more of a believer uh, in Texas and in the organization and what you're selling because seven and five, you know, eight and five, that's not a good enough record for Texas. And then finally, Herm Edwards. Now, I really like Herm Edwards, and I might be reaching a little bit on this, and I think Arizona State likes Herm Edwards, but they play, they're really up and down. They're a really, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type team, team where you're like, okay, what Arizona State team are we going to get today? Are we going to get the team that's going to come out and, you know, be world beaters and, and just totally take over and be Oregon? Or are we going to have a team that just can't get anything going against a team like Utah? You got to have a little bit more balance. I think Jane Daniels is a perfect perfect quarterback for that system i like what he's building i like that he has marvin lewis i like that he has the the seniority there but you got to prove it to me right now and this year is a proving ground because if you get you know seven wins then i feel like you know you hit three years of seven wins you're not going to turn around and hit uh you know one year of like you know 12 wins it does it usually doesn't happen like that it usually is kind of a build-up uh and we can look at uh, plenty of examples with that so herm Herm Edwards, Tom Herman, there's two different ones. And then obviously Scott Frost, this is the biggest proving ground. Now that's different than, you know, year three and four coaches, you might be fired because I don't think any one of them outside of Scott, Scott Frost would get fired if they, if they got into a bowl game. I think that Scott Frost, if he gets a bowl game, he doesn't get fired. But these guys are, are people that the university is sold on, but you got to prove it, it. This is the proving ground because you can't continue to go four, five, six, you know, seven years of just getting, you know, seven wins or eight wins every single year. We need to push for excellence. All right. So that has been our first little bit of get the ball rolling, getting new intro, liking it, loving it, hoping you guys are enjoying it. After this ad break, we're going to bring it on back. We're going to talk about Matt Rule. What does this mean uh, for Baylor as a university? What does it mean uh, for him? Uh, what does the, the job in Carolina look like? We're going to break down all those things for you coming up, and then uh, we will finally send it off with the twenty some of the 2020 storylines that we're most excited for. So stay tuned, and let's keep this ball rolling. And we are back. So now we're going to be transitioning to talk a little bit about Matt Rule. Uh, NFL fans rejoice because I believe that you're getting a very good uh, candidate in Matt Rule, and uh, we're going to give you the our ideas and our thoughts for the 2020 uh, storylines that we're going to start tracking now. Now, uh, I understand that all, there's a lot of uh, different things going forward. Uh, there's a lot of time between the national championship uh, in just a few days and when you know college football, spring football starts up again, uh, we're going to be kind of getting that thing together. Uh, we might be taking, we not, might not be releasing a podcast every single week, but we want to keep you guys in the loop. That's the biggest thing uh, that we can do and continue to build our brand, learn some things uh, to better accommodate you and as the listener. So here we go. So Matt Rule, everyone is, he's, he's was a name that was bounced around uh, a lot recently, obviously, because he just got the, the Carolina Panthers job, but even more so uh, before his name was bounced around the New York Jets job. He made a really big impression with them. I believe last year he interviewed for it and he made some impressions on some people, but there's been 
kind of a mixed response. So I'm just going to give you guys the facts about him. You can kind of make the the decision whether or not you like him, whether or not he's going to make a, a difference. I think it is really hard uh, going forward to say whether a person is going to be successful. It is hard to evaluate because, number one, the situation in which they're put on, uh, put in, uh, the situation with the owner, the situation with the players, a lot of different things. So we're going to break that down. Normally we we hand this uh, stuff off once when it hits the NFL uh, to, you know, 24-7 ball talk or uh, sling in the pill, but I really want to go over who really is Matt Rule, and then uh, we'll let those guys talk about the NFL. That's not necessarily uh, my area of expertise. I can talk it, but uh, college is where I thrive. So Matt Rule, um, his first, let me make sure I got all of my facts right, just to give you guys the best information. Yes. So his first head coaching job was actually at Temple. Now this is, this is college football and stuff. Uh, so his first uh, head coaching job. Now, Temple, uh, before Matt Rule got there, was – I always use this. I, I like to say it good, not great, right? They were average. They would have years where they'd win eight wins, they'd get nine wins, and then there were years they'd get four wins. So before him, the years before his uh, buildup uh, with Al Golden and Steve Adazio, which we know those you – know, Al Golden, uh, you know, recognize his name and Steve Adazio, who is currently uh, the head coach at Colorado State, formerly the head coach at Boston College. So Temple's kind of been this breeding ground for really great hires, but that's all it's been is a guy to come in, uh, you know, first, maybe second head coaching job, depending on if you caught taught or uh, coached in the FCS uh, or, you know, maybe the Conference USA or the Sun Belt. You know, you get moved up, the MAC, you get moved up, and then you get, uh, you know, promoted onto bigger and better things. So here we go. Uh, the. So the years ensuing before before he got here, nine and four, eight and four at the end of Al Golden, nine and four, four and seven with uh, with Steve Adazio, and then uh, Matt Rule his first year goes two and ten, so kind of a rough year his first year in the transition area, but you can't really you know hurt it super bad because or or dog on him super bad because uh number one they didn't go to a bowl game the year before they only had won four games his next year he went six and six was not invited to a bowl game uh sadly despite making that mark uh so an average season right six and six you won six you lost six in 2015 he went 10 and four and uh he was and he lost uh so yeah well yeah so he went 10 and 4 in 15 lost in the uh the title game to Houston and then lost in the Boca Raton Bowl to Toledo and then in 2016 he made it again to the American Athletic title beat Navy 34 to 10 and ended up losing to Wake Forest in the military bowl and he got as high as 23rd at Temple and a, a big defining characteristic of how good a coach is is what happens after they leave, especially in these build-up kind of programs. Urban Meyer is said to, to be one of the greatest. After he left Bowling Green, Bowling Green was competent for the years ensuing it. You know, give it four years because those are still his kids. Utah, four years after he left, ended up beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. So you can see these these builders, right? So we're going to look at the the how well they did. Uh, they bring in Jeff Collins, and he goes seven and six, and then he goes eight and five, right? So he did 
fairly good. I mean, nothing uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, not a 10 and 4 season. So they were a good team, not a great team. So I'm not going to dog too bad on Matt Rule because they bolt, they bought, got to uh, bowl games that those two following years and actually got a win in the Gasparilla Bowl in 2017. So he did a really good job at Temple. And and, and uh, this would be his third year removed from Temple. They went 8 and 4 and uh, they ended up losing to North Carolina uh, in their bowl game this year, 30, 13 to 55. So 8 and 5. Uh, next year would be technically his last year of recruiting, but you can't really give him a ton of credit. It's like you have like 100% credit after year one, 90% credit after year two, then it, you know, uh, after year three, you're about 50 because you still have some people that will integrate after that, you know, maybe 10% of the credit. So, you know, he still gets credit next year, but so, so Temple was left in good hands. Uh, Rod Carey, uh, now the head coach there, uh, implementing his system. So then we're going to look at Baylor. Now, Baylor was... Uh, how do I? How do we explain this? Um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, a lot of us know about the Baylor scandals, a lot of NCAA uh, violations, Title IX violations, uh, Art Briles. We don't know what was really going on there. I mean, a lot of rumors, a lot of people reporting a lot of things. It's hard to see what was you know true and what was uh, not true. So what we're going to say is that it was in disarray, right? It was not a good place to for anyone to step in. I. Uh, it, there were so many things going on at Baylor. It would have been a, an almost insurmountable task to make them to get back to what they were. Uh, if you guys remember correctly, under Art Briles, uh, you know, 2013, 11 and 2, 2014, 11 and 2, uh, with, you know, uh, with their success there, and then in 2015, 10-3 and three, uh, with Bryce Petty. This is during the Petty years. And then in 2015, the scandals come out. Uh, I believe in the offseason, it was this big, uh, really big deal. And then Jim Grobe steps in as the interim head coach. Uh, I believe Art Bryles was scheduled to uh, coach in 2016, and then he ended up stepping down before the season started. So uh, Jim Grobe comes in 7-6 and six, uh, amidst all the scandals. Extremely tough. Uh, they did win the bowl game that year, so they went six and six, so just a mediocre year. And then, so amidst all these scandals and stuff, and this was mainly going on, you know, transition from 16 to 17, Matt Rule steps in. And I remember thinking, I said, I like Matt Rule at the time. I, I mean, I'm all of like 18 years old at this point. I remember thinking to myself, I like Matt Rule, but this is not the place that you want to go. I didn't ever think I, – I thought it was, Baylor was going to be very similar to, to SMU, that they weren't going to be back to, to, to be competent for, you know, a decade or so. They were going to go through – they might go to one bowl game, uh, maybe two if they were lucky. They might get a six-and-six six season where they don't get invited to a bowl. But that's kind of the thought that I had. And I said, I don't understand why he would take this job. Why would anyone take this job? This seems – too big for just one person to tackle, but he proved me wrong. So in his first year, he goes one and eleven. Now, a lot of people look at that, you know, oh well, he only won one game, and that's his fault. It, and in it, his game, he he won was to Kansas. He ended up losing to Liberty. He lost to UTSA. He lost to Duke. Those are games you can't forgive as a, as you know as a Power Five conference uh, person team, I guess not person, team, but also you can't forgive it because, you know, they were once great. They were once talked about to go to the national championship. Uh, you know, them or, or TCU was like the big one, right? Them or TCU was this big discussion, but they put in Ohio State in 2014. Anyway, that's besides the fact. 
Matt Rule comes in. He sets a different culture. He sets, he completely, I honestly believe, now not being around the program, just from the outsider, reading, I mean, I read articles all day long uh, about all of the big, I mean, even the small stories in college football. I'm reading, reading, doing my research to find, try to find, but from what I understand, he reset the culture. He started to get recruit his guys. This is his third year, right? I always say give coaches till at least their third year because that's when, you know, you can take the fault of the coach previous and you can kind of start integrating your kids because you have, you know, years of recruiting, your family's established, you're into a routine, you know, humans are are, are creatures of habit. So we like to, to do the same thing over and over again. And so third year is where really where it, where it excels first two years they don't give much thought to third fourth fifth year is where we really see the power of a coach and uh and that's what we talked a little bit about earlier scott frost next year if he doesn't get it done you know honestly is he ever going to get it done because after three years we look at matt rule which had which stepped into a lot harder situation at a i wouldn't say a lesser program but at, at a least um a less noticeable program, I guess you want to say, in Nebraska, you know, national championships and stuff like that. Uh, the pride of Nebraska, Baylor is just kind of one of those teams in Texas that we talk about in the Big 12, but not as big of a brand as Nebraska, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. So he ends up going 11 and 2, uh, or sorry, 11 and 3 this season, completely transforms his team. And people are asking, well, what is he going to do in the NFL? He's going to be moving into the Carolina Panthers, where you have a quarterback situation that is a little uh, different than what normal normal you know coaches stepping in and, and working things out. Uh, you know, how is he going to be to deal with the egos and stuff? I, I personally think that's what was wrong with Jim Harbaugh was he didn't want to deal with the egos of the NFL, so he went back to college and to, to develop more so uh, and. Is really hard to guess, but you look at things like Jimmy Johnson, who did a tremendous job uh, at the at the Cowboys, coming from from college football to go up there. But then we see, you know, not as as much successes as like Alab uh, Nick Saban's Alabama, right? Alabama's Nick Saban, uh, who goes on to the Miami Dolphins, doesn't really do much, has to come back to the college game. We see that, so it's really hard. But I, I find it's really hard to predict how well he's going to do. He's stepping into, I believe, a good situation. I believe he signed for seven years, which for me, seven years is saying that you're giving the coach the keys to the kingdom. You're going to say, okay, we're going to rebuild it for you. But there might be a two and 14 year in there. There might be a four uh, and 12 year in there during this process. But by year three, from what we've seen, what we saw, right, at Temple and at Baylor, and Baylor, I feel like the being the harder job to do, getting to 11-3, and three, and two of your losses was from Oklahoma, which really, I don't know how you blow the 28-3 to three lead. That's a very, I guess, a very dangerous number in sports, right, after the Falcons and the, the Patriots game. I just feel like you, there's no way to predict. So take it with a grain of salt. Listen to that, the analyst, right? I like Matt Rule. I believe he'll do a lot of successful things. You look at Pete Carroll, what he's been able to build uh, uh, in Seattle. He's done a great job in the, in the NFL. He did a great job in college. So it will be interesting to see what happens. That's one of the reasons why I want to see Urban Meyer in the NFL because he is touted as, as a program builder, as a culture guy. Well, I want to see him do it in the, in, in the NFL as well. You know, He says he's just a college guy, obviously, up until this point. 
There's no other reason to think otherwise. But Matt Rule made the jump. And I know that the Giants really wanted him. Uh, they ended up not offering him what he wanted or the same as Carolina. He ends up going to Carolina. And uh, it would be really interesting to see uh, what he builds. And honestly, it will be interesting to see. I, I, I like the dynamic to see if he'll go after you know some of his uh, Baylor players that he coached uh, while he was there. I mean, he had some serious athletes there. Uh Denzel Mims, I mean, if you haven't seen this guy play, he's a hard worker. He's probably one of the best wide receiver prospects out there. If he could give, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll go with Cam Newton or Kyle Allen or if they'll end up, uh, I believe Will Greer is there. Uh, or if they'll be, you know, waiting a little bit longer, maybe drafting someone in the draft. I, I've heard some some uh, things there. If he falls, like if Tua uh, Tagovailoa, by Loa falls a little bit, then Carolina could pick him up, let him learn behind Cam. Uh, anyways, a lot of interesting dynamics here. I just wanted to give you a little bit of intro into him. And now here are the biggest storylines. Now, we're not going to dive super deep into this because we'll do this on a whole different podcast. But as I was writing down and I was thinking, uh, getting ready for this you know, national championship and everything, uh, I am really excited for 2020. Number one, I think we're going to see a Lawrence and Fields part two. Uh, I said it on the podcast before uh, this one. If they play 10 times, one wins five, the other one wins five. If they split it down the middle, I honestly believe that. Well, I cannot wait to see Lawrence and Fields part two. Now, I haven't you know, dissected the schedules. Uh, it will be interesting to see how Ryan Day moves in his second year. Uh, his recruiting class will obviously be breaking that down a little bit uh, coming soon. I get the ball rolling just to kind of give you guys a little bit more context. But, I mean, Clemson every single year pumping out tremendous recruiting classes. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Ohio State, but I think we could get a part two with them, uh, kind of a transition, a shift from, you know, what was Clemson in Alabama to the shift to what is now Clemson and Ohio State, which would be great. I think we have a potential to see part two there. I'm excited for it. The SEC West is a mess, and I think a mess in a lot of good ways. I think LSU this year was the year they got the skill players together, they got the the quarterback right, they got their line right, and it just the stars aligned, and it was just a straight shot to the national championship. And it kind of feels like that right now, but next year they lose a lot, a lot of guys, so it'll be interesting to see. But then you have Alabama, who Tua Tagovailoa after that, you know, after Jalen Hurts goes out. Uh, you know, they pull him out in the national title game. He comes back as an 18-year-old, you know, biggest stage in college football, biggest stage that he had played so far. Now he's gone, declared for the draft, so we don't know what's going on with Bama. Despite getting, you know, some several high recruits, we don't really know who will be leading Alabama. Uh, will they, are, are they showing a little bit more vulnerability? You have a, a, a team like Auburn with Gus Malzahn, who's, you know, it's been said that he's going to lose his job for the last, like, three seasons, yet he's still there cranking out numbers. I think mainly because he's beating Bama. If he's losing to Bama, I don't think you give him uh, as much uh, props as what you do otherwise. But you have uh, Auburn there, A&M, Jimbo Fisher in his third year. What did I say? Third year is when you really start the, – the, the head coach now is going to start to shoulder the majority of the blame. I'd say about 60% of the blame. 70% of the blame cannot be put on Jimbo Fisher. You can't blame that on Kevin Sumlin before. You need to start winning, and Jimbo Fisher wasn't brought in to, to win seven or eight games every single year. Now, this, this year's schedule was difficult. Haven't looked at next year's schedule for A&M, but they need to start winning. 
Also, Mississippi State, we still don't know uh, as of today who the head coach will be. They fired Joe Moorhead. Kind of surprising. Will be interesting to see who will uh, end up being the head coach there. And will they get him back uh, to winning bowl games after the, the loss to uh, Louisville? You have Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, who, uh, you know, larger than life. Uh, obviously, Tennessee, USC scandal. Uh he goes into the NFL. Like, he's just been a crazy ride, uh, the lane train, right? Uh, he then, then goes to Boca Raton, which I, in my mind I see as a retirement community, and he builds a pretty good brand down there at FAU, uh, you know, winning the CSA title two out of three years that he was there. And then now he's on to Ole Miss, but Ole Miss isn't like – a top job, I would say, in the country. I mean, it's obviously the SEC, but you're in the SEC West. It'll be tough. I want to see how he builds his brand there. And then finally, Arkansas hiring Georgia's offensive line coach. I can't remember his name. Uh, excited to see what he'll build, if he can build anything at Arkansas, because Arkansas was once an amazing program and now, you know, is unacceptable to see what has happened uh, transpire in the last few years. Uh, finally, Another big one, obviously, we talked a little bit about Mike Norvell, and uh, I talked a little bit about the FSU head coaching uh, job search, and I gave you guys a few names. I did say Mike Norvell, so pat on the back to me. Uh, if you guys were listening, I know that it wasn't like widely, you know, uh, it was a pretty popular opinion. I know, I believe Deion Sanders at one point was said to be a candidate for the Florida State job, but I really felt like Mike Norvell did a tremendous job at Memphis. I want to see what he can build there. Obviously, uh, Jimbo got out of Dodge for whatever reason he left uh, Tallahassee. And I don't know if we'll ever know the true story behind everything that Jimbo did. Uh, I would like to know. And then you have Willie Taggart, which was mediocre at best for the Seminoles. If you even want to say bad for their expectations and national titles and stuff like that. Interesting to see what will happen there. I, you know, obviously it's, it's his first year. He, he owns like maybe 10% of it. And that 10% is instituting culture and practice time. That's what he's going to be doing. We'll see how he builds. Super excited. So those are kind of our 2020 FBS storylines that we'll be following. All right. So this has been uh, our uh, coaching carousel edition of Get the Ball Rolling. Uh, we've set up a lot new, a lot more new goals in 2020, and uh, I hope you guys stick with us through here. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, episode 92. If you can believe that, we've pumped out uh, more than, uh, well, well, we pumped out 92 episodes since April. We're going to continue to to do that. Uh, give the voice to to the ones that don't have a voice, right? Or 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 don't have the platform to i want to talk about as many teams as we can on this show uh give them props because college football isn't just about winning national championships it's about building programs it's about preparing the kids to get to the next level i love college football it is amazing time so thank you guys for your time make sure to tell your family tell your friends about uh get the ball rolling uh we love it and uh, we're going to keep on doing the best that there is for you. So until next time, I hope you have a tremendous weekend and let's keep the ball rolling.